In these bleak days, humanity is at a breaking point. Economies are tanking. The woke mob is canceling everything. And the little guy who's just trying to run a small business is getting screwed from both ends. But not all is lost. Amidst the chaos, two men offer up their voices in the darkness, dropping 2,000-pound laser-guided truth bombs on today's lunacy. Introducing the Sirens of Sanity, David Pridham and L. Bradley Sheaf. Buddy, there you go. In your honor, because I know that over the last several weeks you have taken a couple of grueling road trips with your family. I thought we would hear Jackson Brown's Running on Empty. I know we're a little short of the 80s. It's 1977, um, but I thought it would be apropos. And if I'm not mistaken, you've got another trip coming up this month. That That is correct, Brad, but it's difficult to run on empty when you are cozily nestled above a 47-gallon gas tank filled with diesel that costs about six bucks a gallon. It is tough to run on empty at that point, my friend. Uh, we are uh, back here this week, live studio audience here in our you know, plush uh, studio setting. Very excited to be back here on the big program, David Pridham and Brad Sheaf. Brad, I think uh, more uh, than ever, people need us to mean business, and I think we do. Oh, yeah, no question. We unquestionably mean business every time we're together, sometimes when we're apart, but certainly when we're together, we mean business. Really the only show that makes sense. We've talked to a bunch of people uh, across the country. You, you of course, have been uh, traveling as well uh, down to Texas, over to Florida, um, really all over the place. So uh, Arizona. Uh, so um, you, you and I have covered most of the 50-odd uh, states here. And we're getting a lot of good feedback. People love the show. They ask, where can we learn more about the show? And, and, and it's easy. You go to our website, ipfrequently.com, and you can learn about us and, 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 and follow us and like us and comment on us, as long as the comments are good, uh, on Instagram at ip underscore frequently. And Brad, this week, a very important week, as you know, we've got a lot to deal with. But first, we've got the final four of the uh, 80s uh, songs of the 80s uh, countdown. And we're going to count down all the way down to the final here today in honor of the NCAA tournament and the uh, Masters golf tournament. Oh, well, there you go. I, they, they typically do not have a bracket, as I understand it, in the Masters golf tournament, but they probably should. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, let's dive into the bracket. Everyone is at home. They're holding their tickets uh, lots of people betting on this, I understand. There's a lot of money changing hands, and a lot of the odds-on favorites are out, right? They're out. They were eliminated early. And so now we're down to the final four, and then we'll do the final two. And, Brad, on one side of the bracket, we've got Ario, Speedwagon, and Queen. On the other side, we've got Bon Jovi and Van Halen. These are true uh, powerhouses of 80s rock. I think that's fair to say. Yeah, so uh, we'll start this whole thing off with Ario Speedwagon versus Queen. Keep on loving you by Ario Speedwagon. I believe that was your prom song uh, against another one bites the dust. The great 
song written by Freddie Mercury, I believe, in a porta potty, um, and also used by the Junkyard Dog as his entrance music uh, for the WWF until he was uh, sued by Queen, and then he had to stop. Um, so, Brad, I'll, I'll leave this one to you. Um, I know you have a sentimental favorite here, but what do you think? Well, but I do have a sentimental favorite. I like REO Speedwagon. I like Keep On Loving You. I don't remember if it was our proms song or not. It certainly could have been. Uh, but you know what? I, I have reconsidered. I know I cast a vote previously against Queen and another one bites the dust, but you really can't not have Queen in this thing, right? I mean, it, it is acceptable to not have REO Speedwagon. Great band, uh, but not you know, at the same level as queen. And so I think here you got to go queen. Got to go queen. That's um, I, I, it's a great song, um, but I keep harkening back to your prom night. That was a beautiful night. Um, uh, you enjoyed it uh, greatly. And, uh, and, and, and I, I, I can't count the number of times I've heard you skipping through the hallways uh, singing, keep on loving you. Uh, so I'm going to go with REO Speedwagon. And that means we go to the tie-breaking solution here, which is we turn it over, assuming he's uh, plugged into the, uh, the the soundboard in the uh, control room and not the toaster. We turn this over to, to Jared, and Jared now has the deciding vote. And he's going to decide which one of these two uh, juggernauts goes through to the final. It is queen for the win. Wow. There you go. Well, there it is. I guess prom night be damned. Uh, Queen, it is the next. Uh, this is the tougher one because these are two anthems, uh, great, great songs. Living on a Prayer by Bon Jovi and Jump by Van Halen off the 1984 album called 1984. Uh, I am gonna, I'll start here since you started last time, and that's only fair. Uh, I'm gonna go with Jump, I think it's the best song Van Halen ever sang, other than Panama or hot for teacher, several others. Um, but it's Got the only one here. Yeah, that's Fantastic a good one too. Song. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and, and it, it, it doesn't include Sammy Hagar, who I can't stand. Yeah. So I'm going okay. to say jump. The, the video is amazing. I never knew. And if you watch that video back, which I have as part of my prep for the show, mm -hmm. uh, David Lee Roth was getting a good six or seven feet in the air, jumping on stage during this whole thing. Uh, so that was quite, uh, quite impressive. So I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go with jump by, uh, Van Halen. Done. I'm in jump. It is. That's it. That's it. Okay. That well, then we'll easy. go right. And yeah. we'll go right to that. This is going to work. It's hard, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. This is where we get started because now we go right to the final. This is like fast forward through, um, the final four is somewhat anticlimactic there, but whatever. Uh, another one bites the dust by queen versus jump by Van Halen. Brad, I'm going to give you the, uh, the first, uh, the first vote. Well, buddy, this is a relatively easy one for me. You might not think it would be, um, but I mean, you know, th that album for guys that are, are in our era, right. Came out in 1984. I was in high school. I believe you had just gotten into high school in 1984. Whereas uh, another one bites the dust was very popular, but it had come out four years earlier. You and I were still kids. I mean, that, that album was one of the first rock albums I acquired. And uh, I mean, it's, as you say, it's just, a, to use one of your favorite terms, it is iconic. I'm going with Jump from Van Halen. Wow, that, I didn't see that coming. I thought you were going back with the Queen. I'm going to go a little bit unorthodox here. I'm going to go off the board. 
Um, I'm going to say that, and I know I've tried to do this before to nudge the group in a certain direction and it hasn't always worked. Uh, but in this case, I'm going to give it one more try. There is a, there is a duo out there, uh, Tony Tennille and Daryl Dragon, the captain, right? Captain and Tennille, probably mm-hmm. the greatest rock duo of all time. Uh, and they sang a song in 1979, Brad, called Do That To Me One More Time. It was one of our top seeds in this tournament. People uh, have been raving about it. I'm, I'm still not exactly sure how or why that song was eliminated. Um, it is a it is an homage to everything 80s, even though it wasn't even recorded in the 80s. And I don't even think they sang it in the 80s. Um, but I'm going to say Do That To Me One More Time by Captain and Tennille. Buddy, I, I applaud your stick to I applaud your following of the advice of the song itself, where you try to continue to bring it up one more time every week. But I, I, I got to tell you, I think most folks in an 80s bracket are not going to go Captain and Tennille, but we can throw it back out there to our producer, Jared, and see if he's willing to you know, kind of crack that door open. Well, just One before it goes before it goes to him, just remember the, the lyrics, right, of, of this great song. I mean, great song. Do that to me one more time. Once is never enough with a man like you. Do that to me one more time. I can never get enough of a man like you. Just remember those lyrics. Right? I'm, I'm sorry. I, I know you don't have David Lee Roth jumping around the stage, but that's uh, that resonates with the people of the. 80s, even though, again, it, it technically may not have been in the 80s, but I'm not sure. Uh, Jared, what do you say? I'm going to play it on air right now, just just so I can refresh my memory. Do that to me one more time Once it's never enough With a man like you That is good. Okay, that, that, was, that was something, but I'm, Lovely. I'm sorry, David. It, it's jump. Jump by Van Halen, it is. There it is. Well, that's uh, somewhat of an upset. I, you can't say that I didn't try. Uh, I did. There are going to be a lot of disappointed Captain and Tennelyacs out there, but uh, yeah, majority rules, just like Russia. So uh, jump it is. Jump it is. There you have it. The Kansas of 80s rock songs this year in 2022. Yeah, and we'll probably invite the boys from Van Halen to perform this live in, uh, in studio at some point. Yeah, we can get Wolf Van Halen, Eddie Van Halen's son, to step in for him. Next, Brad, we'll get to the two big news items of the week that small business owners have to be ready for. And even big, large business owners, owners of large business with large customers, large employees, these are the things that everyone has to be ready for and they have to be prepared to address. And and look, we're going to do that right now. Uh, fresh off the uh, big 80s bracketology. First, Brad, the number one story of the week, Elon Musk, the owner of Tesla, has taken a 9% stake in uh, the Twitter. And he is basically the largest shareholder of Twitter. He's obviously been on a rampage over Twitter's practices, a lot of the censorship that's going on. Uh, He has taken a 9.2% stake. He's the largest shareholder, and he has now been appointed within the past week to the board of directors. The stock has obviously soared, um, and uh, Musk seems like he's determined to make changes at, uh, at, at Twitter and, and maybe uh, even uh, put in his own management team. Uh, so obviously, this is going to potentially change some of the practices of Twitter. It potentially could even lead to the, uh, uh, the reinstatement of the uh, account of one Donald John Trump 
uh, former president of these United States and Brad, the only world leader, past or present, to still have his honorary black belt in judo. I believe both of those things are correct. I would like to see that platform kind of shift back towards neutral, stop being the arbiter of what's you know morally and ethically and culturally allowable and just let people go at it. And I think Elon Musk is likely to shift that platform back in that direction if given the opportunity. It is not going to be enough to inspire me to get my own account, uh, but I do hope for the benefit of others that that's what happens. Well, luckily, Brad, the good folks at IP Frequently have got an account for you. It's IP underscore Frequently. Finally, Brad, really quickly, um, the uh, O.J. Simpson uh, saga has taken a turn for the worse. And obviously, we um, uh, we have two news articles that I think are really important. We talked about them, but O.J. Simpson this week, Brad, had apparently invited a bunch of 20-something TikTokers, some women into his hotel room or condo. Uh, and those women went on to use TikTok to videotape them waking him up at one in the morning out of a sound sleep. So uh, the O.J. Simpson thing, it seems like it's getting a little bit uh, out of control. But at least uh, um, when he does wake up, he will hopefully resume the search for the uh, killers. Yeah. Well, I mean, you got to you got to give a guy a break. Sleep is important. You need a nap every once in a while while you're out looking for your wife's killers and I think the TikTokers are just doing a public service. I mean, they let them sleep till one. That's more than enough. You wake the juice up, you get them back out there. You can learn more about our show at uh, our website, ipfrequently.com, because that's what we do. And on Instagram and Twitter at IP underscore frequently, where you can uh, follow us, you can like, you can comment, you can enter some great contests to win uh, swag uh, and cash money, Brad. I believe we're giving out cash money to anyone uh, that enters some of the big contests. Uh, so very exciting times. The studio audience here is uh, is really, thil- really thrilled, Brad. This is Chinese Food Week. Uh, we've brought in a Chinese sack lunch for everyone in the audience, all the way down to the fortune cookie egg foo young. Um, I believe there are egg rolls, uh, uh, spring rolls, uh, and some uh, nice curry chicken, I believe. Wow. Well, I certainly look forward to diving into that following the show. Following the show, though, some people can't uh, help themselves. We can see them eating uh, now and the chopsticks, uh, soy sauce, the whole, the whole nine yards. So very exciting. And we try to be authentic here at the big show. Uh, of course, baseball, Brad, is back uh, the spring uh, Past America's pastime. The the uh, Ides of Spring are upon us. Uh, soon, these uh, teams are going to be uh, uh, going back to their stadiums and launching this uh, this new season. Which uh, and obviously baseball, with <clears throat> I think was a uh, an important part of your childhood and mine. We both loved it uh, and followed it, and it was our favorite sport. And it is less so today because of the length of games and the teams and the, the unfair balance in the league. And so one of the things we did is we, we, you and I have talked in the past about how to make the game better. And I thought maybe it'd be a good idea for you and I to talk about how we can uh, help Major League Baseball make the game better and make more people watch. Well, I think making the game better is easy. Nearly anything you would do to the game, particularly things that would take you back in time to the way the game was played in the past, would make it better. I think if you don't do that, the only way you're going to be able to make people watch is if you chain them to a chair, 
glue their eyelids to their eyebrows and then put a screen in front of them with baseball on it, which would be a violation of the Constitution uh, because it is cruel and unusual punishment. Um, but that's about the only way that you could get people to watch baseball at this point. Well, hear me out. You have heard my theory about how to make baseball better before, so this is not going to be new to you. But I think one of the ways you can make the game more palatable to people like Jared, who would rather saw off his foot than set uh, set the other foot, the good foot, the existing foot, the foot that's left, um, or right, or right, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, into the stadium, you, you know, make him more interested to to watch. If you allow each team one at bat per game with an old 70s style, like Easton aluminum bat, the thing that the ball just flies off of, right? One at bat, you get Mm -hmm. one per game. And if you don't use it, it carries over to the next game. So do you get two the next game if you don't use it in the one game? Or are you just saying, you know, you just get to do it the next next game? You just still get to do it. No, no, no. You get to do it every every game. So 162 games. so if you, you get, don't ever use it, you could have 162 at-bats in your last game of the season. Yeah, or you save them for the playoffs. It rolls into the play. So if you can yeah. make the playoffs without using that aluminum at-bat, every, everyone gets all 27 outs, you get aluminum bats. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, just think about the, the, the fear. So this is, obviously it brings up all sorts of strategy because now we got rid of the pitchers hitting in the national league. So there's all sort of, everyone's DH. There's no strategy anymore. So now it, it reintroduces the strategic nature of managing a baseball game. Do you have Aaron judge go up first with an aluminum bat and lead it off and just start cranking line drives into the stands? You know, I mean, obviously you would have issues with the fans, but listen, they, 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 they come and they take the risk. Right. Six Semper Tyrannus. They come and they take the risk. They are there in the stadium. They get hit with the ball, but he just keeps cranking them in there. Right. And then maybe he cranks one at the, the, you know, the third baseman or the pitcher and takes them out. Or maybe he cranks a couple into the opposing team's dugout. I don't know. Um, but you have that possibility where you don't even care if he gets a hit, quite frankly, because you know he's going to hit people. Or you wait and you, you use it more strategically later in the game. And then if you can get like, you know, six or seven carried over. Yeah, you could have a field day against uh, another team's best pitcher. I think maybe to even it out, for every game in which you use your Easton bat uh, at bat, you have to come out with you know just any regular bat. You can use whatever bat you want, but you have to hold it by the barrel and swing the handle end, right? So it's sort of offsetting, right? Now you can decide how you want it. You can still bunt. Right. So you lay down a decent bunt because you can, you know, take the bunt off the middle of the bat as you typically want to do anyway. Right. But so for every aluminum bat at bat you take, you got to send somebody else out there that's going to be swinging the handle. Yeah. I mean, that's one way you can go. But just think about the way you could market it too. Right. You could have aluminum bat day at Yankee Stadium where you give out 10,000 aluminum bats to the first 10,000 people that show up at the park. I mean, the first 10,000 perfectly reasonable and rational <laughs> yeah. New Yorkers that show up at the park. Yeah, that makes yeah. perfect sense. Yeah, no, do you remember they used to have Bat Day? Yeah, it, well, that whole thing could be sponsored by a car insurance company. Oh, you know, like Geico. <laughs> or maybe Aon could, could step in. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe. <laughs> Wouldn't be the dumbest thing they've ever done. No, not, not even close. Well, listen, we're going to write this up for Rob Manford, the commissioner of Major, Major League Baseball. Send it off to him, and, and we'll see what sticks. We'll, get, we'll take a meeting. Yeah, sure. I mean, I'm not. I mean, I'm not sure. Maybe we'll take a meeting. We're busy people. 
But, uh, you know, if it got aluminum bat day out there, I'd be for it. Yeah. Sponsored by Aon. Yeah. Um, uh, Brad, next, uh, more about the Ukraine uh, nightmare that, that is uh, that is unfolding. Uh, obviously, big news. I, you know, I saw some of the most discouraging um, uh, articles uh, in the last few days about this since I watched 60 Minutes the last time, and I can't do that anymore. Um, but uh, there are actually articles showing Ukrainian mothers writing the family contact details on the back of their children in uh, Sharpies in case the parents killed and the, the kid is left uh, is orphaned. Um, there are mass graves being uh, shown in pictures in the outskirts of Kiev. Um, there are stories of uh, even, even more egregious war crimes and, and, and torture and people being killed with flamethrowers. I mean, this has turned out to be an absolute uh, atrocity with what's what's going on there. And and it, it, by the day, it becomes more and more uh, d- discouraging when it seems like the folks who are on, on the Western side of the ledger, the U.S. and the European Union, European Union really aren't able to do much other than take the yachts of some Russian oligarchs. Well, buddy, I mean, it, it just it gives you insight not only into the specifics of the people that we're talking about here, but just into people in general. Right. And your and your word is perfect. Right. It is incredibly discouraging. I mean, had Russia invaded the Ukraine and then abided to the abided by the law of armed conflict to the letter. Right. It would have still been an unacceptable act, right? I mean, it, this this is, you know, there's no good reason for Russia to invade the Ukraine other than it just being a war of aggression. And, and you know, we're generally speaking against that in modern times. But one of the things that I, I, I find darkly amusing is the position that many take, primarily on the left, that, you know, mankind is just on this upward climb all the time, right? That mankind is just getting better and more humane and wiser and kinder and more peaceful and all these things that you hear humanists say all the time, right? With no obvious proof being presented for their position, but just saying, well, look, we as mankind are becoming increasingly enlightened as time goes by. You know, we don't need uh, morality. We don't need to worry about rules. We certainly don't need any kind of a faith. You know, we're just going to get better automatically. And then you look at the conduct of mankind in a situation like the Ukraine, where all of these things are happening. Bodies are just being left in the street. Innocent children are being killed. People are being tortured to death regularly. I mean, when you pull the harness off, when you let human beings go and you just let them behave in any way they want, this is what you get. So if you think that mankind is sort of on this upward climb towards the light, just take a good look at what mankind is doing in Russia and other places around the world that we don't want to pay attention to, right? That we just want to sort of pretend aren't there while we focus on accolades that we present to dudes in women's swimsuits, uh, you know, theoretically beating out their gender in a race, right? I mean, we have lost it. We have lost our focus. And as you point out, but we just don't know what to do, right? When these things happen, we used to know what to do, right? You couldn't allow these actions to stand. But no one has gotten in Vladimir Putin's way ever, 
I don't know how we can continue to pretend that what we're doing in the West is somehow amazing when we let these things happen. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's all it, 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 it's really discouraging <clears throat> when you see some of these images coming out of there. And then you realize what's going on in China with the slave labor camps and the and the, the whole Uyghur situation. It also, you know, calls into question the global leadership, right? The global leadership, the folks that are letting this happen um, and the folks that have let this happen for decades that have let this fester and didn't stop it when they could. And now are scrambling because they're reliant on Russia for natural gas or they're reliant on Russia for other mineral trade. And, and uh, they're trying to you know, walk a fine line between supporting Ukraine in certain respects and also continuing their economic relationship in certain respects with Russia. So it's, it, it, it is discouraging. And the, and the fact is, I don't think that there's uh, I'm not sure. I, I, I don't have the answer. I'm not sure what the solution is at this point, short of like full-blown nuclear war, but the, the, the things that are going on there are horrific and, and obviously horrific things happen across the globe and we let them happen every day. But when you see these images come back, when you see these children in you know, these one and two year olds in diapers having their name and, and uh, other family information written on them in, in indelible ink so that when the parents are killed, someone can claim the kid. I mean, that's, that, that's well, tough to, that's tough to see. It, it's really tough to see, but I mean, it, it is tough to see the upside to it. If there is one is that it robs you of your illusions, right? I mean, here in the United States, our president is making videos talking about how the greatest challenge we face is crime against transgender seniors. It's an existential right? threat, Brad. That is yeah, an existential, an existential threat. threat is crime against transgender seniors. Now, just how many transgender seniors, so I presume that's folks over the age of 65, do you think there are? And somehow crime against that demographic, while crime in general is unacceptable, is what our president is focused on when halfway around the globe, you've got parents having to write contact information on their toddlers uh, because they suspect that either the toddlers or themselves or both are going to wind up dead. Okay, But that's what you get. I mean, if you're Vladimir Putin and you're looking at that and you're saying, well, let's see how the world's last remaining superpower, let's see what the you know home of democracy and the home of freedom and the home of you know one of the greatest political documents ever written, the United States Constitution, let's see what those folks are focused on. And you turn on the news and, and there's old Biden talking about how the, 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 his largest concern is crime against transgender seniors. And that's all you need to know, right? Yeah. You're like, whoop, yep, green light. I can do whatever I want to do because this moron is trying to draw attention away from all of his many failures, all of the many failures of his family, and hope that we'll be baited into believing somehow that – Crime against trans, transgender seniors is our biggest threat. I, I, how anyone can buy into that, I don't know. Uh, but at least someone at the White House thinks it'll work or they wouldn't be doing it. Well, the, 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 the funny thing is um, they did something did, good did come out of that. I guess uh, Dr. Biden, Dr. Jill Biden, DDS, doctor. is um, uh, now writing uh, personal information on the president's back in case he gets lost. That is a good idea. I mean, yeah, that so. is a valid approach 
uh, by a woman who has some form of advanced degree and is using it wisely. Yeah, that, that way he doesn't get it's like a low jack for the president. A uh, couple more things while we're on the subject of the president uh, this week. Um, the president, uh, of course, leading from the top down. Um, uh, five federal agencies after the, you know, there was this whole uh, uh, debate and <clears throat> hearing about Judge uh, Katanji Brown Jackson. Um, and uh, during the hearing, she was asked to define what a woman is, probably in line with the big uh, NCAA women's uh, uh, swimming tournament, which was won by uh, a, um, a, a gentleman. Um, and she refused to do so. And after that, five federal agencies, uh, the DOJ, the Department of Education, HUD, which I believe was a movie at some point, uh, and the Federal Bureau of Prisons um, uh, and the Agricultural Department have all um, uh, now um, come out and they've uh, instituted new orders where they have said that they are refusing to define the term woman by a woman's biology. Um, uh, and so this is something coming from the top down, the man with his name on his back in indelible ink. Uh, they are not able to provide the definition for what constitutes a woman anymore. Uh, and this is in line with the next Supreme Court justice who also could not do that. So Brad, it seems like we're getting some more good leadership here in the United States that could potentially translate uh, into some of the uh, overseas woes that we're uh, enduring. Well, buddy, there you go. I mean, I, again, as I've said many times, keep it up. And so you will always have the echo chamber that you live in if you're a progressive. So you, you'll always be able to find people who think just like you do, and you'll be able to bemoan, you know, some of the things that you see going on and, you know, always be able to hammer anyone who is not in your little thought group. But keep it up because the rest of the United States, to include most of the folks who used to be in the middle and could be swayed one way or the other, are watching all of this hypocrisy, all of this lunacy, and saying to themselves, well, I, you know, I don't know exactly what the solution is, but we got to make a change. And we're going to see that happen sooner rather than later. Now, the upside, again, buddy, always, there's always a silver lining to any cloud, is if somehow you and I wind up in prison, we'll just be able to put up our hands and say, hey, you know what, we're women, and they'll put us in a woman's prison. And while I don't know that that will be, you know, a walk in the park, I suspect it will be better than being in a men's prison. I wouldn't know, but I assume you're right. And I can say this, the one man who knew how to define a woman was Daryl Dragon, the, um, the great captain from the Captain and Tennille, who almost broke through today. Yeah, no, he defined it as Tony Tennille. And I think if you look her up, certainly from her salad days, she was a fine woman. Uh, next, Brad, we get the woke report. Uh, Palm Springs, the lovely uh, desert town of Palm Springs. I believe you vacation there often, as did uh, um, your uh, uh, good friend and mentor, J. Edgar Hoover. Um, the city council has voted to um, um, institute a basic income scheme basic income scheme uh, for two years. It's a program. It's a pilot program. We call it pilot program. Um, they're going to see if it works. They're going to throw the spaghetti against the wall and see if it works. Uh, $900 a month. Uh, and they are going to pick 20 transgender residents to be part of this uh, basic universal income uh, approach. Um, 
so very exciting stuff. I mean, that's look, that's a lot of that. Obviously, nine hundred bucks a lot of money, um, and uh, they are using uh, some of the thirty-five million that the state of California has set aside for uh, these pilot uh, schemes. They're focusing obviously on the trans community, which is very, very um, uh, at risk, as the president has told us. And uh, yeah, this is exciting uh, stuff. Do you think this is going to work? Well, let me. Let me just make sure I have this correct. Mm -hmm. So the city of Palm Springs is going to hand $900 a month to a collection of transgender folks because they need it or just because they're transgender? Is every transgender person getting 900? Is, is this like the transgender stipend? How does this work? 20, um, 20 transgender residents in Palm Springs will get $900 a month for two years. It's a basic income program. Well, why, is there a need among the transgender community in Palm Springs for $900 a month? It, not exactly clear to me. Again, this is like the cold case. I don't have all the information. I can just tell you it is a, uh, yeah, it, it is a, it is a program. The, and actually, you know, J, so Jacob Rostowski, who is the chief executive um, of Queer Works, uh, has said that this is a chance, quote, to help individuals receive money um, that we can think of as a subsidy to subsidize the gap in income that the trans and non-binary community faces due to having some of the highest levels of unemployment in this country. Uh, again, this is a company called Queer Works, and Jacob Bruskowski is the CEO of that company. And obviously, there is a problem in the trans community. And the thinking is this $900 a month is going to put them over the proverbial hump. Well, there you go, buddy. I mean, certainly if there is that much of an income gap, you wouldn't want to look for a reason behind that. You wouldn't want to search out, you know, whether there's any, any, you know, pieces of the puzzle you can put together when someone chooses to be non-binary or transgender, and then is also unemployable. You wouldn't want to investigate that. Um, because that would certainly violate someone's rights and we're not doing that. And so it probably makes sense to just take the taxpayer's money and hand it to these folks in the hopes that they will use it wisely, as they have obviously made other wise decisions in their lives. One would hope that they would use this money wisely. And, you know, as has become my mantra, I would say to the City Council of Palm Springs, keep it up. So next, Brad, we promised that we would continue to monitor the situation with the election. This is a big election, right? Big election. A lot of things are going on. Um, and uh, obviously across the country, folks are running for the Senate, for the House. There are local races um, and people are, are getting amped up. And nowhere is that more true than the state of Missouri. So the state of Missouri has an open Senate seat. Missouri has been pretty reliably Republican um, over the past uh, few years. And so this is a battle for the for the heart and soul of the American people, whatever. Um, and so in Missouri, the former governor, Eric Greitens, who um, had to resign uh, after uh, admitting several affairs, at, at least, uh, is now running for the U.S. Senate. He's man, he, he's, uh, he, he's been backed by uh, former President Donald Trump. He's a Trumper um, and he is in this crowded primary. Uh, he seems like a troubled candidate because of the, uh, the, the, the 
sexual misconduct allegations. Um, but he's in the primary and he's, he's one of the, the front runners. And now it comes out that his ex-wife who left him after the multiple affairs um, uh, uh, came out, his alleged in uh, court filings as part of the divorce that he, quote, knocked her down, stole her phone, hit the children, and then threatened to commit suicide if she didn't publicly support him during the 2018 sex scandal that led to him resigning as governor. Um, and uh, you know, this is all sworn under penalty of perjury. Uh, but he continues, Brad, to run. He has not dropped out of the race. In fact, he has uh, doubled down, and the uh, former president, I think, is uh, close to endorsing him if he hasn't done so already. Um, and so these these kids are very young, and this man seems to be troubled. But it seems like uh, it may be a good idea for former governor and GOP Senate candidate Eric Gretens to just go away. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. But this is where we have gotten ourselves, right, as an American people, is that no reasonable human being wants to put themselves out for public office. I mean, it has become so absurd, the, you know, the back and forth that you see, the way the media treats candidates, you know, one side or the other, obviously, at this point, a little more difficult to be a conservative candidate than a liberal candidate, but certainly we have media on both sides. The public discourse is just bizarre. You know, there's, there's no idea in anyone's mind about building a consensus. No one wants to move towards the middle. No one wants to try to govern through compromise. No one wants to do any of that, right? And so because of that, if you are sitting in your home and you're looking at this and you're you, you know in despair and saying, well, how, how does a guy like this become a viable candidate for a top level public office in the federal government? The answer is, well, no one reasonable is running against him. Yeah. Right. Because well, everyone is sitting in their house going, well, I'm not doing that. And I, I and you're not doing it and I'm not doing it. I don't blame anybody for not doing it. Who would want to do it? And that is the downside of a representative democracy is that we need representatives. But no reasonable person is going to run. Well, actually, Brad, that's where you're wrong. Uh, of course, Missouri has been a Republican seat for a while. And the answer, who's going to do it? I can tell you, Trudy Bush Valentine, the heir to the Bush one of the heirs to the Bush brewing fortune. She's actually the um, daughter of, of the longtime chairman of Anheuser-Busch, uh, August Gussie Bush, who uh, used to own the St. Louis Cardinals. And she's the great granddaughter of Anheuser-Busch's German-born co-founder, Adolphus Bush. She is running for the Democrat nomination. She wants to make uh, change a, a um, an earmark of her campaign. She's done so running a very pro-family um, pro-equality progressive campaign. And, and obviously, look, she has got a, a storied history, very, um, I, I think she went to Vassar or Harvard, a very good um, reputation, a great, um, uh, great background. Of course, um, she's also obviously being a Bush, um, sort of a debutante. She won the Queen of Love and Beauty contest, which is a beauty pageant in, uh, in, in St. Louis, uh, it's an annual beauty pageant in 1977. It, it of course, is always marked by protests from civil rights folks because uh, it has banned people of color and Jews from participating. And, and she was the, look, she won. She was a vulnerable, I think, 30-year-old when she won. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it, the photos have shown her um, marching around the uh, the stage um, and uh she, uh, 
you know, also was uh, judged by at least one member of the St. Louis Ku Klux uh, Klan when she won, Brad. Um, but, uh, you know, look, this is a this is a woman of true integrity and probably is going to give the people of uh, Missouri the um, choice they deserve in response to these allegations uh, coming to light. She said, quote, I believe in the importance of working together and healing divisions. And that starts with acknowledging my own shortcomings. I didn't appreciate what this is all about. Um, she said that even though she reappeared uh, at the Queen of Love and Beauty pageant on multiple occasions, crossing protest lines, including most recently in the 1990s. Um, and, and so, Brad, it seems like the uh, people of uh, Missouri have an interesting choice here. Yeah. All I will say, my friend, is ladies and gentlemen of the United States of America, I rest my case. Right? Yeah. Good luck, Missouri. That's your choice. The wife beater or the racist, you pick. But if we don't get, if we cannot bring ourselves to sort of right this ship, then these are going to continue to be the types of folks that say, well, what the heck? I mean, I might as well throw my hat in the ring for public office. It is amazing. Uh, so, Brad, this week, Barter Band, the Bronze Stevie Award winning um, you know, segment. 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 Yeah. Some would say it's mm-hmm. a show in and of itself. Others wouldn't. Maybe. There are a lot of folks who are being deplatformed by Twitter and, and Instagram for certain things. And so Natalia Bariza da Silva, uh, she's from Brazil. Uh, she recently had her Instaface account uh, uh, deactivated. Um, because of her unusual lifestyle. Um, and, and look, this is happening everywhere. I mean, you, you and I know this. We see people like this all the time. Um, she is an influencer from Brazil. Um, she is in a polygamous relationship with lawyer Gracila Veras Pario Lustoa and her husband, Diogo Simon. A, he's a businessman. And so, Brad, they are a thruple, a thruple. So they are, yeah, they're a thruple. So they're basically a married threesome to the extent they can be. She's been involved in this thruple for a number of years. They post selfies together. They travel together. The concern is that her account has now been shut down. That's how, that's how she makes her money um, on Instagram as an influencer. And, you know, because of this, because of the impact of this, it's costing her. But at this point, Brad, I guess the question is, like the folks at Instagram, should thruples be barred or banned? Well, buddy, that, that's a tough one on me because I, I had not heard the term thruple prior to it crossing your lips. I, I guess it makes some sense given the nature of what you've described. But I, I have to admit to being a little bit confused about the whole InstaFace thing. So of all the things that InstaFace has decided to rise up against mm-hmm. – in view of all the things that it allows for people to publicly broadcast through its platform, what problem does it have with the concept of the thruple? I mean, was she posting inappropriate pictures of the thruple? What what did she do to raise the ire of the good folks at InstaFace? That's a a good question. I'm not exactly sure. I know that when you look at some of the photos, they've traveled together. It looks like they go to a lot of couple, I guess, thruple resorts. Um, she's posted very nice comments about them. So for example, um, last year when they were on uh, vacation in the tropics, Brad, she posted, quote, how lucky for me to find love in a double dose. You are 
much more than I ever asked God for. You, you are my best friends, companions, and now lovers. You are my refuge in times of trouble and my home in happy times. How much we have gone through to get here together and how much more we will go to sustain this trouble love. I, again, I don't, I, I mean, it's very poetic. I, I'm, I'm glad she has that kind of very nice know, very skill nice. with words to paint a word picture like that. A lot of beach Almost photos. Almost makes you wish you were in a thruple yourself. <laughs> uh, but I, I, I don't. I, I, my guess is that that choice of lifestyle would be considered progressive, right? So of all the progressive things you are allowed to not only advertise but advocate and quite frankly celebrate through your InstaFace account, what is wrong? With this, like, I, I just, I don't, I, again, I don't get, so here's what I'm going to say, buddy. I'm going to say, I have no comment on whether or not you want to be in a throuple. That's your deal. You go for it. I, I don't think we should ban bar or otherwise that. I, I, I would love to hear InstaFace's position on, we will allow all of these things, uh, but we will not allow three people to, you know, cohabitate. And oh, I don't know. I don't know if they cohabitate. I'm not sure. Well, if they yeah, she described them as lovers. I mean, I think you know that requires close proximity, is at least in my experience. I, I think there may be. I mean, she did. She was asked why she was no longer posting, and her, why her account was down. And she said, "Quote: My account wasn't hacked. In fact, Instagram itself deactivated my account because of the number of complaints due to the impact the thruple had." Uh, so uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess maybe we should bar Instagram from banning the thruple. All right. Yeah, I can see that. I'll go with you there. Anyway, we'll continue to monitor this, although we can't really do it through social media because that has been deplatformed, Brad. But they seem like a love, lovely throuple. And uh, look, you and I are um, old dogs and we learn these new tricks every day. And, and, and listen, I think uh, I, I am certainly not going to go home and explain any of this to my wife uh, because I can't. Um, but Brad, I think if you go home and, 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 and are able to do that, then yeah, there we are. Well, buddy, I, I will tell you, these folks are currently my favorite thruple. And these folks in front of us are obviously my favorite studio audience. And we will see all of you right back here next week, thruple or otherwise. Thruple, couple, quadruple, we don't care on IP Frequently. We'll be back here next week. This has been IP Frequently. Once again, clearing a forest of lies with the machete of truth. You're welcome.